Hello, folks, and welcome to e-commerce QA. This is the podcast where store owners, directors of e-commerce, and e-commerce managers can stay up to date on the latest tools and technologies in e-commerce. I'll be joined on the show by my colleague and partner in crime, Dylan Holst. Our goal is to handle one or two questions per episode. You can check us out on the web at ecommerceqa.tv. There you'll be able to get in touch, ask us questions, and just generally participate. Hello, folks, and welcome to e-commerce QA. This is the show where we keep it frolicky and futuristic, talking about the latest in e-commerce. I'm joined by my colleague, Noelle. Hello, Noelle. Hey, Michael. So today, we're going to reverse the roles, and I'm going to interview you on Celery's evolution, as well as your thoughts on a few different questions. Ready to go? I'm ready. All righty. You started out as Mike's biz help. Now you're Celery. Can you give me a brief on what each company was and why you switched? Yeah, you know, there's been several iterations. So uh, back in the day, I used to do e-commerce with some other family members. And, uh, you know, we were selling stuff and the companies didn't really work out. And I'd like to say that it wasn't my fault. It probably was partly my fault, but I learned a lot. So yeah. from there, I kind of got cold feet and, and felt like, oh, I don't have a real job. So I started working in a machine shop, which is a great career if you haven't done it before. But it was a little bit challenging for me since I was used to the freedom of, you know, doing whatever needed to be done. Mm. I also wasn't that great at it. And so I was one of the first layoffs in uh, 2009, the spring of 2009, February. I remember because I, I thought I had mono and I was in bed for weeks and I got the call saying that I was going to be let go. And I felt this strange kind of relief mm. because, you know, within a day, I had called everybody I knew and I said, hey, I'm available. I can help you solve your problems that you have in your small business. Oh. And I called myself uh, Michael Bauer Digital. And that was supposed to encompass anything that I thought I could handle digitally. Building, you know, flash banners and email, fixing problems with email and fixing people's computers. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how it was like a small business handyman. I quickly realized that I'm kind of an in informal person and uh, decided to change the branding to Mike's Biz Help. Mm. Rolls off the tongue a little bit more easily, shorter. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tried to do everything minuscule branding-wise. Like my email address was MB instead of my full name. And my website was kind of like minimalistic and uh, it was fun, fun stuff. Hmm. So after that, then uh, I kind of started focusing more, instead of going into people's offices and fixing their technical problems, I focused more on the marketing and the, the website side of stuff. And that was working great for me. So I continued to focus on that until I could basically work from my office and handle not only their in-office problems over, over LogMeIn, but also their website problems. And I heard about this thing called Magento. And that was when Magento was just coming along strong. This was about 2010, 2011. I decided to completely niche and focus on Magento because I thought it was going to be a really big thing. And mm. it was. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah, that's what I did then. I mean, Celery now, surprise it of all surprises, right? We still do some Magento work, mostly for higher end projects people with special requirements. The main thing that's changed, I would say, is back then I was I was really just a hired gun. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any teammates. And now we're able to solve some pretty complicated problems. That's awesome. You talked a little bit about it, but what got you into e-commerce in the first place? Was it just like a love you have? Was it just, oh, hey, I can do this. I'm out of a job. I'm going to go do it. And then it evolved. What was the catalyst there? I mean, yeah, like I said, going from running an e-commerce company, every part of it and having my hands in all the all the pots to my more traditional career, I felt like my life had been constricted. 
huh. when I w- finally was able to broaden back out and do what what I had really enjoyed doing, it was great. Huh. I love the you know the freedom that e-commerce brings as a business model. You can live anywhere. You can yeah work with anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that I do love that as well. Huh? What are the three most strategic moves that you've made that have really helped you along the way? That's a good question. I can definitely point to a few strategic moves. I think I can summarize it to three. So the first one was niching down on e-commerce and Magento specifically. Mm-hmm. That was a really good move. It was perfectly timed. Yeah. And uh, that was 2009, 2010, right when the, the Great Recession was going on. But we grew every year, you know, even then we were growing. Yeah. The second one I would say was focusing on the needs of logistics companies and companies that are in that space. This is right when a lot of e-commerce companies were realizing that it's cheaper, potentially, especially when you get to volume, to use a third-party logistics provider. And so, yeah, we started working with logistics software companies. They would refer us to their clients who were warehouses, and those warehouses would engage with us, and they would also refer us directly to their clients. So it was kind of a a two-tier referral system. Mm -hmm. The third thing I would say is the fact that we've remained relatively agnostic with regard to technology so, well, we do have some partnerships with certain software solutions. Yeah. We avoid partnerships that would require us to endorse one solution contractually or to not offer another solution, even when we thought it was the best and so on. Yeah. Which I think that's perfect because, I mean, just just from the little experience I have, everybody's situation is so different. So to have the freedom to really provide the solution instead of having to stick with one thing in my mind, is so crucial. I mean, there's some drawbacks to it, for sure. You know, we aren't as close to maybe the most cutting-edge data that would be provided to partners on. Mm. But, you know, I mean, I think it's worked out well. Yeah. It's definitely something that's important to me, is to maintain a certain level of ability to be objective, quote-unquote. Uh-huh. Cool. Hmm. So, moving on... We kind of touched a little bit on salary, and now I just kind of want to get your thoughts on a bit more random assortment of questions. What qualities aided you the most in starting your company? Another way to say this question would be for a new store owner or service owner, service provider, what would you say are the three most important things that they lean on? Or, you know, it can be less than three. Three most important things for... A business person? Mm-hmm. What helped you starting and what would you say? Oh, what helped me? Okay. Starting? Mm-hmm. Well, I can think of three things and they're related. One of them I'm good at, one of them I'm bad at, and the other one is, well, you'll see. So the first thing is I have a lot of staying power for whatever reason. So I'm able to work on one problem for literally as long as it takes to solve that, that problem. And sure, I get frustrated, but I just keep working on it. I don't give up. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know, staying. just born that way. Yeah. Um, and then there's the flip side of that, which I'm actually not very good at, which is knowing when to stop working on something. So, you know, sometimes I've looked at the, the software landscape and realized, huh, we should have stopped working on this platform a year ago because nobody uses it anymore. Hmm. Um, we've gotten better at that. Just keeping track of like every year we do a review now to figure out what's coming down the, the tubes, what's what's important, what's not. Do a lot of reading. So to kind of try and counterbalance that. That's great. So you put the supports in place for where there is the struggle or the challenge. Yeah. And then the third thing, I guess, is the wisdom to know the difference. So when you need to keep going on something, when you need to stop, and this is a lot of this is dependent on scale. So a company who's really small 
needs to be really smart about where their cash goes because they need to spend cash wisely in certain ways. But if they spend it in the wrong order, you can go bankrupt. You know, like what's the order of events? Well, it's easy to say, oh, well, just get more sales, raise your revenues, raise profits. Well, there's a lot that goes into that. Mm -hmm. Knowing which thing to do first is tricky. Hmm. Hmm. Do you have a favorite quote or saying that you either use to motivate yourself or you kind of use as a motto for the company? Yeah. So I have two that I can think of. One is more of a personal motivation thing. Mm. It's just a simple phrase. Hope can't be taken. Mm, I love that. No matter who you are, no matter what you're doing. It's more than just, well, there's life, there's hope. No, hope can't be taken. It can be forfeited, though. You know? Uh-huh. So we can choose to give up our hope for something, for someone, for your future. But you don't have to. No matter what your circumstances are, you can maintain that. And mm. yeah, that's important to me. The idea of hope. That's right. Yeah. The other one is a more of a like a motto, kind of more for the company. It's a quote that's attributable to Einstein, although I'm not actually sure whether he said it or exactly how it goes. But the paraphrase I've heard in Latched On to was, make things as simple as possible, but not simpler. Mm. So I love that. It's like yeah. there's this idea called Occam's Razor, which is the idea that the simplest explanation is probably true. Huh. Um, well, we can contest that. But the simplest explanation for a technical problem that actually meets the need, that's definitely the one you should do most of the time. So, yeah, yeah, I like that quote. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And this next question, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit random, but I've enjoyed talking to different store owners about this and just getting their feedback. And it's on mentors. And what are your thoughts on business mentors? Uh, You know, everybody knows it's a good idea. For you personally, has it been? It has, yeah. I mean, especially early on when I really wasn't sure what to do, what to focus on, what to, you know. Which technology should I focus on? When I didn't know anything about the industry, it's particularly yeah. important. Yeah. And now I feel like it's important again, although I probably for a different reason. I, I think kind of when I've hit major decisions or plateaus, Yeah. knowing how to get past those is, you know, somebody who's already done that before is really helpful. Yeah. And and when you're looking for a business mentor, what qualities or what, what really makes it see so go, oh, that person, that would really help me out? For me, it's do they get it? And what I mean by that is, do they actually know what they're talking about? Usually, if you watch someone enough, you can tell whether or not they're just talking or whether whether they know what they're talking about. And, and that's the thing. Like, everybody knows about certain things, knows a lot about certain things. Everyone's an expert on something. Mm. If you're looking for a mentor, I'm a big advocate for finding a mentor who's has more expertise than you in not just one area, but kind of like small range of areas. So maybe a marketing expert could be a mentor in marketing. But I'm not going to go to that person and ask them to tell me how to run operations. Yeah. I mean, yes, I know some people that that can uh, know all those things, and that's great. But I find it's, for me at least, it's really helpful to hear input from a lot of sources. And then I can, it's almost like, uh, you know how an old CRT television works where there's three basically electron guns that are shooting at the screen really fast. One of them's shooting red, one of them's shooting green, one of them's shooting blue. Yeah. And when all three combine, then you see the picture. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's to me, that's how mentors are. You, it's almost like you get a lot of input from a lot of people. So they're not actually formally mentors. And yet it seems like you kind of have mentors, even though they're not formal mentors. So you get a lot of opinions, a lot of input. And then like the TV, it all comes together. You see the picture, you make your move. 
Yeah, I mean, there's also the term advisor that's used a lot, and that's a good one for less formal here and there. For me, mentor, I would say, is probably a smaller number of people, but it's still somewhat discipline-oriented. Yeah. Could you share any tips on finding a business mentor? Well, I think that for me, when I think about who would I want to be mentored by next, I usually, my head goes to someone like, you know, Elon Musk or someone who's like way up there. And I'm pretty sure that Elon wouldn't be willing to mentor me. You know, he's, he's busy doing other things. He's very careful about his time. But I think just going ahead and reaching out and even doing that exercise will putting yourself out there, mm. even to someone that you think might be above your league and just, just taking that step. I heard something great about a year ago. The idea was that if you have an idea that you know is good, you just don't know if it would be able to happen. Mm-hmm. Spend two minutes and, and figure out what the person's email is and email them, you know? Hmm. So just putting it out there, basically just try and trying. Yeah. Huh. If you don't try, it won't happen. If you do try, yeah. it might. Yeah. So what are three values you incorporate into your client experience? So there are three things that are really important to me. I'm not just making up those things, though. It does happen to be three things. The first is being on time. And this is something that's a challenge for technical firms who are building software, building websites. And the reason for that is the process to build something that's not the same as what everybody else has is more like building a custom house than it is building a like a prefab house or, a, or like a tract house. Tract houses, you've seen these go up. You can build 100 of them in a day, it seems like. Yeah. Custom homes take a lot longer because yeah. you, you got to figure things out a long way. Yeah. But it really irks me when we're you know, facing a situation where a client needs something done by a particular time and somebody says, well, we just don't know how long it'll take. Even if that's the true answer, that's irritating to me. So I've always been very passionate about getting things done on time. And if not being upfront about the fact that we can't do that on time. Another thing is the idea that we want to do the thing that's actually the right thing. The thing, and I alluded to this earlier, but knowing in what order to do things is important to me. You know, if you come to me and you have a small company and you say, I would like to implement an ERP, which is a very big, expensive piece of software, I'm going to say, no, I'm not, I, that's not what you need. I don't want to help you do that because that will be, we'll all lose out yeah. because, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, doing the thing that actually needs to be done. And that goes into yeah. what's so the visual of, style that needs to be accomplished. Yeah. Huh? Guiding the client, not just doing whatever they say, but if you know better than what they're saying putting that info out there. So you're kind of protecting them along the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like a bulldog. Like I, I, I said this earlier, I, I can tend to hang on too long to something, but I'm really ferocious about wanting to make sure we're doing the right thing for, for the client. And, and we often don't, I mean, it's hard to figure out what the right thing to do is. And sure. sometimes things go sideways, but that's pretty important to me. I would say for a third sure. thing is just, uh, I'm not a real big advocate of the, brand of lifestyle business that basically means raise your rates through the roof and be highly unavailable and the perceived value will increase and people will think you're great, but you're actually just being not getting good service. So mm. there's kind of a big movement in the you know web world of service providers that are trying to, you know, get a better lifestyle and, and not be so much on the hook for late nights and, and things like that. And so they, they tend to do everything they can to formalize processes and and not be as available and not give out their phone number and raise their rates and and it makes them come across as maybe more professional or maybe maybe they are more professional but that's not me i i don't know like i want my clients that i 
am working hard to help succeed to be able to get a hold of me mm. and uh, yeah, availability, I guess. So you're basically willing for a more high touch. I enjoy it, you know. Hmm. I like talking to people about how to solve the problems. Hmm. And I'm sure for clients, like, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Hmm. So kind of the same question, what are three values you incorporate into your team culture? So maybe they're not values, but what are things that you really, you love, you know, having freedom to do or whatever, and you want your team to experience the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So I really want my team to experience the same thing that I was provided early on in my career, which was, Hey, here's a problem. Solve it. You can have all the resources you need. You can have all the advice you need. You can have everything you need to solve this problem, but you take it by the horns and solve it. I work well with people who, who are able to do that. I try and hire people that are able to do that. That's something that's important to me is the ability to to figure out a solution without relying on somebody else. Huh. Another thing is just we value transparency as a team. Mm-hmm. So there is certain information that we're not at liberty to disclose with all team members. But in general, we make it very easy for anybody to find out the information that they need. We try and keep things very flat try and value people's opinions and, and really just, you know, help people feel empowered to yeah. do what they need to do. Hmm. Hmm. That's cool. I think those two are probably the biggest ones. Okay. Okay. What helps you go into your week prepared? The biggest thing for me is when I roll out of bed to write down 10 things I'm thankful for. Huh. And some days that's all the time I've got. I need to go write in take care of something or a meeting or something like that. But there's always enough time to be thankful. And yeah. huh. I find that when I do that, it changes my whole outlook. That's cool. That's cool. Hmm. Few more, few more questions. Then we'll wrap up. Define, if you will, why you're doing what you're doing and what success in the company looks like for you. So I've had a vision for a long time of helping People with awesome missions make the world a better place. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to think we're doing some small version of that now. We're working with some really great clients, people that care about more than just making a buck, people that are trying to improve other people's lives. And I come from a family of people who a lot of relatives are in social work and education and these other professions where it can be really hard to get things done or you can work really hard for a really long time and then see, see things change in a negative direction. And I want to become kind of like a consultant to the type of people who are trying to make big moves on the world to improve it, but they're not quite sure how to do it practically, or they don't have the resources or they don't, I want them to be able to focus on their mission and to support them in that. Uh, Like ultimately I'd love to, you know, fund movies and Mm. other like really powerful, great films, you know, Mm. think of some, but so I want to help people through doing business. I know that sounds like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, every person who's running a business says that, but I'll be candid and say, I don't see how we're doing it that much right now, but it's something that I absolutely want to do. Yeah. Well, I can sense your passion there. And I think when there is a passion for that, 
it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. You know, it's, I think the results from that will be good. So, yeah. Where do you see salary in five years? In five years, we're going to see a couple of changes in salary, I think, I hope. One is that our kind of more complicated and tricky projects, I'd love to see us take those learnings and make them accessible to everybody doing e-commerce. Hmm. So it's actually the market in as a whole is, is trending in the opposite direction. Um, for a little while here since 2008 with the, just the emergence of a plethora of open source software, we saw that it was pretty easy to implement a website that in many ways would rival the big guys. Well, that gap's actually widening now. It's actually becoming more and more expensive to keep up with the Joneses as it were. And mm. I think that's understandable as the industry begins to mature, but at the same time, there are some things that I would love to be able to make accessible uh, at a lower price point to uh, vendors that they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Huh. That's cool. Hmm. Then I think our last question here for the day is what can you tell me right now that would be helpful to other store owners and operators for the rest of their career? The rest of their career as a store owner or the rest of their mm -hmm. career uh, whichever hmm. you can take it, whichever way you want. I like the term product because it applies so well to e-commerce product. You know, as an owner, you can think of product as the thing that you're selling. For me, the product is actually the e-commerce property, the, the website. And I like to think of it as improving the one main thing. So what's the one main thing you need to improve? Keep that top of mind. And every single store owner that I've ever talked to knows that certain products are better than others. Well, take one and work on improving that over and above the others. And, you know, treat, I'll give you one specific thing if you, if you like something that would apply now. Yeah. But if you're selling e-commerce right now, presumably into the future, take one product that's, let's say you're selling a physical product, treat it like an info product, make a long, long form landing page for it, treat it as special, do a Kickstarter on it. Do something that makes that one product really succeed hmm. and then scale it out. Hmm. So I think that could apply in a lot of ways. You know, if yeah. you're, if you're um, selling timeshares, you know, what is your one location that is the most, shows the most promise? Focus on that. Huh. If you're uh, selling your services in an e-commerce So basically way, select and then hit that one selection hard. And do yeah, because it, to really make it grow in e-commerce, the thing is everybody has so easy to sell more product. You know, we're talking about increasing our footprint, but there's not actually a lot of emphasis on drawing enough attention to the things that you do best. And hmm. surprisingly, sometimes it's the smaller companies that do this the best. You know, if you only have two products, well, you're going to have yeah. more details just to right. flesh well, out your in site. And out, right. In and out is the perfect, you know, they... Choose their hamburgers. Yeah, they you're talking about the, the hamburger chain in California. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> they just, they hit it really hard. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think this has been a great discussion. It's, it's been, I've learned some things through it and loved your quotes. Those are great. So thank you for the time, Michael. And we will talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for the interview. And uh, folks, show notes for some of the interesting things that we covered. 
will be at the bottom of the page on ecommerceqa.tv. You can go there and sign up as well so that you can receive notification every time we release an episode. Thanks again, everybody.